0: this is health dose a conversational podcast that touches on topics that affect your health i'm jerry o'donnell the emergency department is a place that no one ever wants to visit yet there are certain conditions injuries or traumas that require a trip to the emergency department for emergency treatment however there are other options for patients to receive health care when they are experiencing a non-life-threatening issue Dr. Danny Gregg is an ER physician at My Michigan Health. Help those ask Dr. Gregg,
1: what are examples of conditions when we should go to the emergency department? So we would like people to use the emergency department when they're having an emergency or something that might turn out to be an emergency. So things like chest pain, shortness of breath, symptoms of a stroke, weakness on one side, serious injuries, serious cuts, burns, possible broken bones, Anything that might be perceived as a life-threatening emergency is when we'd like to see you use the emergency department. It's
0: always the question, at least in my family, do we wait until my doctor's office is open on Monday? Do we go to urgent care? Do we go to the emergency department? In the moment, I feel like whatever choice I make, it may be the wrong choice. What happens if I go to the emergency department and it isn't something that requires that kind of care?
1: If you come to the emergency department, we will take care of you. We will see you. People need to be aware of the triage process that goes on in an emergency department. Explain triage. So triage is when you grade people based on the severity of their illness. So you may be there with a sore throat, and you may need to be seen for that sore throat, and we will absolutely see you. But if a chest pain comes in behind you, he's probably going to move, move ahead in the line because we're going to want to take care of the most potentially serious ill people first.
0: Triage literally means somebody may hop the line. Someone may come into the emergency department that is more severely injured or need more attention quickly than what I have going on. And you guys are constantly evaluating where you are with that.
1: correct. Volumes vary based on the time of day. If you're coming in in the middle of the day with something that may not be terribly acute and can wait a little while, you're probably going to wait a little while. Our ER volumes continue to increase. We get busier and busier every year. I think we saw 44,000 last year. When I started there, we were seeing 28. So we are just going up and up and up. To what do you attribute that kind of rise in service numbers? Population's growing a little bit. I think our population is getting a little bit older on average. So I think, I, I think we're seeing a little bit more illness. And the access to primary care providers is probably not quite what it should be. It's something that we need to work on. What
0: should a person do if they're experiencing a health issue that is not an emergency, but their doctor's office is closed?
1: If it is something that's acute and needs to be seen that night, can't wait till tomorrow to call your doctor, you know, fever, coughs, minor illnesses, minor injuries, small lacerations, minor burns, then I would recommend going to the, one of the urgent care centers. They're open after hours and they can manage all of those minor things. Is it the triage nurse that they see? Is there a nurse at the the front desk? There is a triage nurse at the front desk, and they see essentially every patient that walks through the front door. The only patients that the triage nurse doesn't see would be ambulance traffic.
0: And the assumption is if they come in by ambulance, they already
1: need to be in the emergency department. They generally go directly to a room. We get a call from the field, and we assign them a room, and they go right
0: there. Is there ever a time when the triage nurse says, no, we're really busy right now, you need to go to urgent care?
1: No, that doesn't happen. We're willing to see anyone who shows up. What the triage nurse may tell them is you're going to need to wait a while because we're very overwhelmed right now, and, and it, you know, it may be a while before we can get you back, but we'll get you back as soon as we can. How long will it take if I visit the emergency department so our average, so, so actually our, our, our targets, and, and we've met these targets, so our average goal for a length of stay for a general discharged patient who has a fairly significant illness, you know, an abdominal pain or a, or a shortness of breath, something like that, we try to get them in and out in less than three hours, and we've met that target the last couple of years. If you have a more minor thing, then our goal is 90 minutes, and we can generally hit that target. That, of course, is a median time, and if you come in when we're overwhelmed, we you may wait longer than
0: that. Because you're subject to everything. The temperature affects the number of people that come into the emergency department. Time of year, time of day, day of the week, even the phase of the moon. Absolutely. All these things contribute to why people show up. In the emergency department, but you guys are constantly reevaluating where you are in time with your patients and who needs to be seen next. You're constantly trying to move people as quickly as possible to getting the care they need.
1: Absolutely. That's always the goal.
0: What is diversion and what does it mean if the emergency department goes on diversion?
1: So diversion is a situation that we hit when we are either overwhelmed in terms of our ability to safely care for patients, Or we have a service that we uh, are unable to provide. We don't have staff for a certain complaint. So we may go on diversion simply because we have 25 patients in the waiting room and we're just at a point where it's not safe to start loading more patients into the waiting room. We may go on diversion because we don't have a particular type of service available that night. You know, we've been on diversion for... For STEMIs uh, in the relatively recent past. STEMIs? ST, ST elevation myocardial, infar- myocardial infarction. It's for a headaches. heart attack? It's a heart attack. And we want to get those folks to a PCI center where a. Invasion- a PCI center. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Percutaneous coronary intervention. So this is, where a they actually, heart place. this is where they actually take you right to the cath lab, put a catheter in, and try and open up that vessel that's blocked, mm-hmm. ideally within 90 minutes of the time you present. So if we are in a situation where we just, cardiology's out, cardiology is ill, we just don't have the staff, then occasionally they need to, buy, we go on diversion for that, and they try to get to a nearer STEMI center, if they can do it within 60 minutes.
0: Does that mean potentially sending the patient to another hospital? Yeah. That's exactly
1: what it means. That's exact. Or diversion would mean having them just bypass our hospital. So we're generally the STEMI center. Mm-hmm. And if we are on diversion for, say, a STEMI, then we would say we don't have the cath lab is not available right now. Proceed to the closest available STEMI center, which in our case might be Covenant, might be St. Mary's.
0: And you folks have would it be reciprocal kinds of relationships with other emergency departments in the area?
1: We do communicate. Everyone knows when we're going on diversion. We specifically will tell them why, ask what their capacity is. And yeah, back and forth, we we support each other.
0: And I would assume that those kinds of decisions are made really quite early in the case, even before the patient is transported to the hospital. I mean, you're you're, deci- you're deciding to divert that patient while they're en route. Yes. Which is probably very helpful for the patient. Correct. So explain then what happens when specifically my Michigan Health's emergency department goes on diversion. What does that mean to the patient in terms of response and in terms of the kind of care they're going to get?
1: So if we go on diversion simply because we're overwhelmed, the general diversion where we're not going to accept outside ambulance traffic any longer, which generally seems to happen when we get 15, 20 patients down in the waiting room. We close to outside ambulance traffic. We do not close to local ambulance traffic. Our EMS system is owned by the hospital, so Claire Gladwin ambulance traffic still comes to our department. Walk ins are never turned away, but external ambulance traffic will be diverted. So if someone from Claire calls us, we'll say, We're, we're, we're on diversion, you need to go to another center. Mm-hmm. How often does the concept of diversion come into play? Is that a regular thing? It's very, it's very uncommon in in, in our emergency department. I would say if you'd asked me two years ago, I would have said it's unheard of. Prior to two years ago, the only time I was aware of us going on diversion was honestly when we had the floods and the hospital, just wasn't operating any longer. In the last couple of years, we've gotten so much busier. Our resources are stressed. Staffing is stressed. Probably we've gone on diversion half a dozen times in the last year, something like that. And it's it's reassessed. So we'll say two in the afternoon, we're going on diversion until four, and then we're going to reassess. And we open back up as soon as capacity allows.
0: Okay. So that's something that's relatively short term. Yes, yep. And you mentioned several different factors that are coming into play. Let's revisit that. You said our population is getting older, which means there are more consumers of emergency department services what's causing the increased traffic in your department
1: i think we draw from a larger area you know the city of midland hasn't grown that much in population but the surrounding area has and there's more people as i said they're a little bit older the older you get unfortunately the more likely you are to have chronic illnesses or serious health issues Mm. that's our main population in the er is the older folks with multiple chronic illnesses they come in with some pretty serious things
0: so you're serving a larger geographic area and that geographic area is increasing both in numbers and increasing in age and you mentioned something about the need for primary care doctors is that causing a deficit of primary care doctors in the region
1: i think access to primary care continues to be an issue mm-hmm. just not making enough primary care docs quite honestly we're not graduating enough and it's a struggle for the future
0: but also my michigan health may be experiencing some of these challenges in increasing numbers of patients because the system itself is growing
1: the system has grown by leaps and bounds the last decade or so and midland itself has become a true tertiary care center we're now at level two trauma center we're a STEMI center we're a stroke center so we've become a referral in hospital you know when i joined the system back in 94 sick patients went out of the system now We accept sick patients from all over. We have, I think, 10 hospitals in the system now. And so the transfers we take in and the number of different services we provide has certainly contributed to the increase in volume.
0: If someone doesn't have a primary care provider,
1: how can they get one? Anyone who visits the emergency department and does not have a primary care provider is provided with a number to call. It's called the Physician Referral Line, and we work to try and find them a primary care provider. That number is 989-837-9090. Again, that's 989-837-9090.
0: And as we close out this conversation, I will also have more information on where that information can be found online just to make sure that uh, everyone has
1: what they need. How long have you been an emergency department doctor? 25 years now. Uh, I started in Midland in 1997. It was the first shift I worked out there.
0: Was that your first job after becoming a doctor?
1: So after medical school, I went to medical school down in Detroit. I actually came up to Midland in 1994 to do residency. I completed my residency here spent a year and a half on the teaching faculty, and then migrated over to the ER, and I've been there since.
0: That's a long time to be in a very stressful kind of job, uh, in a very stressful kind of work environment. Why is that so rewarding? Why is that something, presumably, that you continue to seek out day after day?
1: You know, there is stress involved. There is the day-to-day grind. There is the volume of people that you need to see, but that gets punctuated by just absolutely wonderful experiences with people who you may see it some of the worst times in their lives and you help them along you know we see people at their worst we see people in crisis we have the lives that you save i mean there's there's nothing that's what keeps you coming back that's why after 25 years i still love love to do this stuff
0: that is er physician danny gregg md and this conversation comes with this note. Individuals who don't have a primary care provider can go to mymichigan.org slash doctors to find a provider who's accepting new patients in their area and who also accepts their insurance. Or you can call my Michigan Healthline at 989 837 9090 to speak with a representative who will assist you in the process of finding a provider. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again next time for another episode of Health Dose.